0: scripture reading will be found in John chapter 8. you would turn there with me in your Bibles. If you don't have your own Bible, our ushers have Bibles available, raise your hand and they'll bring one to you. John chapter 8. We'll be starting at verse 12. Let's all stand in respect to the reading of God's holy word. Reading today, John 8, verses 12 through 47. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, You are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, Even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going. But you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet, even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law, it is written that the testimony of two people is true. you will die in your sins so they said to him who are you jesus said to them just what i've been telling you from the beginning i have much to say about you and much to judge but he who sent me is true and i declare to the world what i've heard from him they did not understand that he was speaking to them about the father so jesus said to them when you have lifted up the son of man then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but, but speak just as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my words find no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you will be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. May God give us understanding in this portion of scripture that we read and we'll be preaching from this morning. I invite you to join me now in a time of prayer as we bow our heads in prayer. and Then after prayer, a song from our choir, then our message, and a closing song from our choir. Let's bow in prayer. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you that we can call you Father, that you give us the perfect model and example of what a father is and what a father does. So we thank you, Lord, for loving us, for caring for us, for protecting us, providing for us all that we need, life itself, and eternal life through you, through your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for your perfect provision. We thank you for your grace that has reached out to us. We thank you for your power and working in our lives. We thank you for sustaining us and keeping us, and and uh, just taking us through each challenge that we face, and allowing us to um, be that being that rock, that faithful one that we can trust on and and. and rest in. So we thank you for being God, our Father. We thank you for the earthly fathers that you have given us and allowed some of us to be. We pray, Lord, that we would be more and more like you, Father, and we will glorify you in being a good fathers. So we pray, Lord, for the impact of our fathers on their families, Lord, that you would bless these fathers here today and those who are part of this work in this ministry that our children would learn good and godly ways from us and that they will go on to to love you and to serve you. That our wives might be blessed uh, with with uh, men in a home that are good leaders, that are are loving and faithful. So Lord, we just thank you for this Father's Day. I thank you for my father. I pray for him, Lord, as he is in a hospital this very moment. We pray for your care, we pray for your comfort, and uh, your your encouragement, both in spirit and in body, Lord. That you would be with him and watch over him. Be with my mom as well, as she cares for him now. And Lord, we pray for others who are uh, suffering in in like ways because of the bodies that we know do not last forever. They have a, a time limit on them, and. We do rejoice, Lord, that when You call that time, we we can uh, be with You eternally. So we look forward to that, and Lord, we just pray now. You bless the preaching and teaching of Your Word, make our hearts open to it, receive it, and be blessed by it. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Happy Father's Day to all of our fathers here. I could ask the question, won't ask you to respond, but how many of you are fathers? We have our hands raised up, but then ask the question that all of us respond to, how many of have a father? Whether dead or alive, we have a father. And, uh, of course, that is the pattern of life that God has given to us, and God himself is called the father. He is the father father to those who have relationship with him. Now, all are his creation, but not all are his children. And Jesus points out in this text that we read this morning in John chapter 8, what it means to be a child of God. And one point that he makes is that children model their father. Children model their father. That is true physically. That is true spiritually. Woke up one day, went in the bathroom, looked at the mirror, and I wonder, what in the world is my father doing in here? I remember when I used to think that my father was old. Now I'm just like him. But that's a pattern. We didn't have a choice in that. We model, and we pattern ourselves. We are like our father. In John chapter 8, he talks about two fathers. Two fathers. He speaks about his father. In verse 16, he talks about the fact that he will judge along with his father. His father judges, he will judge. In verse 15, he says, You judge according to the flesh, I judge no one. In other words, I don't judge according to the flesh. But then he says this in verse 16. Yet, even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. A couple points he makes out is that he judged, but it's not an arbitrary judgment. And so we are to make arbitrary judgments based on our own likes or dislikes but he judges along with the Father. Now, that's a special relationship that he has. He's saying that he has an elevated position of being equal with God the Father and has the authority of judging as God the Father has. Therefore, you know, when you walk into a courtroom, you need to show respect. You need to show respect for the judge, by the certain way that we do, and they'll remind you all, stand, stand. As the judge enters the room, you're standing to remind yourself of who is in authority and who actually has the authority to decide this matter at hand. You dress a certain way in a courtroom and there's a certain certain, uh, 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 things that you do and you don't do that belongs in the courtroom. For one, re- for one thing is, they tell you to turn off your cell phone. We ought to show some respect in God's house that way as well. That we show that respect for that authority. Jesus says he's going to have equal authority with the Father. His Father is the judge, and so is he. He also says this in that same verse. It is the Father who sent him. And so he comes under the authority or with the authority that the father sends. So the father has authority and so the son has been sent with authority from the father. In verse 18 he says it's the father who bears witness to him. That's a powerful statement as well. It is God the creator of all things, the one who's in charge of all of this universe, who bears witness and basically saying, yeah, that's that's him. That's the one that you ought to respect. This This is my son. Respect him. Follow him. Obey him. Watch him. Observe him. Worship him. Bow down to him. The father bears witness to the son. And in verse 19, he makes a very strong rebuke. He says, you know they, they are trying to ridicule Jesus saying where is your father Jesus answered you know neither me nor my father now, they make this same kind of statement in verse 41 he said to him we are not born of sexual immorality they are making accusations against Jesus saying that he doesn't know who his father is And that his mother and father had him when they weren't married. Now that's only half true. His mother had him when they weren't married. Joseph had nothing to do with it. And so they kind of twist. It shows you they have a knowledge of history. They know what's going on. They know something of Jesus' past, but they don't understand they haven't received and and they haven't uh, accepted the facts of the case that jesus was born of mary when she was yet a virgin she conceived by the power of the holy spirit god implanted in her seed that she will give birth to the son of god and so when wicked sinful men see this they just say hey Mary and Joseph didn't follow the rules. Mary and Joseph had sex before they were married. That's not the case. I'm glad that the Holy Spirit and the scriptures make that clear. So they still levy that accusation against him. Where is your father? And he makes a very strong uh, uh, rebuke to them. You know neither me nor my father. In that strong rebuke is a reminder that for those who do not embrace Jesus for who he is, who the Bible says he is, who God the Father says that he is, they cannot claim any obedience, allegiance, or trust to God the Father. People too long are saying, we all believe in one God, we are one people having one Father, and that simply is not true. Physically, we come from God. But we do not believe in one true and living God because the scripture makes it clear that to believe in God is to believe in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't believe in Jesus is what the Bible says then you are not believing in God. He says, you know, neither me nor my father. And he's absolutely correct in that. He goes on. To say in verse 26 and 27, it's the Father who sent him. He's not coming in his own authority, but he's coming under the authority of his Father. Verse 26, I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I have heard from him. And so he's not going to waste time um, talking about them. He knows the truth about them. He's here to declare to the world what the Father has given him to declare. The Father's given him a mission. You see, like Father, like Son. The, fo- the Son is going to follow the d- design, and he's going to follow the pattern, he's going to follow the purpose that the Father has set for him. We continue on. We see. Jesus does what the Father authorizes. Verse 28 and 29, he says, I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. As he goes on to speak this truth, it says, many believed on him. Verse 30, as he was saying these things, many believed in him. Jesus speaks to these who believe in him. Verse 31, Jesus said to the Jews who have believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. Now, I like that. I could spend a whole sermon on that. Those who say they believe, Jesus qualifies. He qualifies. He doesn't just take for granted what they say, but he says this is how it's going to happen. If you truly believe, you're going to live that way. If you abide in my word. The first word is conditional, if. So if you say you believe, there is this pattern that ought to govern your life. You ought to live this way. And basically it's saying you're going to be like the Father. I am, Jesus saying, I am like my Father, my Heavenly Father. If you believe in me, you will be like him as well. You will live like him. You will love like him. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, he says. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That's interesting. Jesus, so many things connect with our society today. As soon as Jesus mentioned this thing about being free, people got offended. Oh, you calling me a slave. I I don't like that slavery talk. And that's exactly what they did. The Jews did then. As soon as he talked about them being free, you will be set free. They answer, verse 33, we are offspring of Abraham. And we've never been enslaved to anyone. You want to say, what? Are you kidding? Do you not know any history at all? If you're offspring of Abraham, you know that the people of God spent 400 years of slavery in Egypt. And they want to discount, like, hey, we, we'd all through Abraham, we ain't, nobody rules over us. Nonsense. But that's their claim. How is it that you say we will become free? And Jesus points out not only is there a physical slavery, there is a spiritual slavery that's operating. In lives. It says, truly I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. That is a remarkable statement, and and people don't fully understand that today. Is that to people think that they do as they please? It's amazing to me. When I was a teenager, people thought, I'll do as I please so I'll smoke and, 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 and I, I'll do cigarettes as much as I want. But now I see all of these commercials coming on trying to beg and plead people to stop smoking and trying to give them all of these helps to stop smoking. Well, if you did as you pleased and you're no longer pleased to do that, it'd be easy to stop, Right. No, it's not easy to stop. When you do as you please, when you practice sin, you become a slave to sin. And even though you act like you did it out of your own will and you were free to do it and you were free not to do it, you are no longer free not to do it. It has enslaved you. But smoking isn't the only thing. That's just a pattern of life. People say, I get up when I want to, I do as I please. Well, you develop habits where now it's hard not to do as you please. It's hard to get out of that habit of doing something once you have done that. Same thing with eating. I eat whatever I want until all of a sudden the doctor says, you don't need to eat that no more. You say, I can't. I can't stop eating that. That's what I like to eat. You're going to take away the thing that, the very thing that I like. What happens is you become a slave to it. and That's the principle that Jesus is talking about. You think you are, sl- uh, are free, but you are not truly free. It's only in Jesus that we see and we pursue true freedom in God. And, by, and, and, and that is, 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 is a, a play on words itself. You know, when we become the servants of Christ, then we become free from being slaves to sin. So you're going to serve one thing or another. Either you're going to serve yourself and sin and all that that leads to, or you're going to serve God and give yourself over to him. You know, Christians want to say, well, you know, I'm free to do as I please. I I beg to differ with you. You are not free to do as you please. You are free to serve Christ. I ain't got to come to church if I don't want to. Well, no, you don't. But then you don't look like a child of God, do you? You don't act like one. You don't look like one to God. You don't act like one who loves God and obeys his command. And so when you begin to serve God, you become free from sin. But you're going to serve or be a slave one way or the other. He sums up, When he says, the son, if the son, verse 36, if the son has set you free, you will be free indeed. And he says, I know you are the offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my words find no place in you. He says to them, I know physically that your heritage is in Abraham. You are one of the descendants of Abraham. Physically, you line up there. But spiritually, you are not. He says, and I can tell that by how you act. He goes now into this setting. He says, you seek to kill me because my words find no place in you. I speak, verse 38, I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. There he goes into this two-father talk. Two fathers, there are two fathers, and they determine, the father that we come from determines our character and, in fact, our eternity. He says, you do what you have heard from your father. Now, they argue with him, verse 39, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you will be doing the works Abraham did. He starts off by saying, yes, physically you are descended descendant of Abraham, but spiritually you are not the offspring of Abraham. In other words, you are not children of faith. And what is our point to us today? Unless you are doing the thing that God says you should do, if you're not obedient to God, then you cannot claim to be God's child. Who is your father? Well, your behavior determines that. He continues to to go right back to their behavior. Look what he says in verse 40. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. So You want to say that you're spiritually from Abraham's seed and and a child of faith, but that doesn't line up with what you're doing now and trying to kill me. He makes that very, very clear. Clear to them as he continues on you are doing the works your father did now that offends them so what do they do when they get offended again they try to belittle and ridicule him verse 41 they said to him we were not born of sexual immorality we have one father even God this makes a strong point. People ask, well, what is it that you need to believe to be a child of God? And I will say this, you need to believe everything that God says. You need to believe everything that God says. People say, do you have to believe in the virgin birth to be a child of God? Absolutely yes. Now, do you have to understand and know and be aware of all of these teachings and all the doctrines? I, Obviously not. You don't have to be aware, but you cannot reject true teaching from God's word. They are saying that Jesus was born of sexual immorality. You cannot say that and then say you believe and trust God. In other words, if you don't understand and accept the truth about who Jesus is, then you cannot Count yourself as a child of God or of faith in Christ. Now, I talk to people all the time. I talked to, in the Milwaukee Rescue Mission, Talked to a man yesterday who was struggling with, what is it that I believe? Listen, you can't pick and choose what you want to believe from God's word. If you believe God, then you accept his word as truth, 100%. You're not smarter than God. You say, hey, this is what I say. If I can't figure it out, it's just something I can't understand. God is not a liar. I'm just not on his level. I just don't, I just can't take in everything that he has for me, and neither can you or anybody else. You think, well, I'm going to go to school and I'll understand it all. No, you won't. You, like me, have a limited mind. We're human beings, limited in our being. God is infinite. And his truth gives us the information that we need to understand. He reveals himself to us. But what, what we're saying is you cannot reject the very word of God and at the same time claim to be a follower of Christ and one who trusts in God. How can you trust in someone that you do not believe? We brought all this today to really talk about fathers. And to basically to say this is that none of us have a perfect father humanly speaking. None of us are that perfect father. But God the Father gives us a perfect model of what a father is. And we want to take a look at that. Jesus says, you're going to act and behave based on who your father is. He makes it clear to them that they were not of God. They were of Satan. In fact, he makes it so clear in verse 42. He says, you have two fathers, and here is the behavior of those who have God as their father. One, verse 42, if God were your father, you would love me. If God is your father, then you are not just accepting of Jesus. In other words, yeah, I believe in the historical Jesus, that he existed. There's a lot of evidence for that. But the devil believes in the historical Jesus. Jesus. I believe that Jesus died on the cross. Well, so did Pilate and all the Jews who killed him believe that he died on the cross. What's the difference? What's the difference in your faith or your belief? He says this, if God were your father, you would love me. You would love me not just believe facts about me or that I existed or believe what was said that's true about me, you would have a relationship with me where you love me. Do you love Jesus? Is it evident in your very life? Do you love him where he fulfills and fills all of your life? Do you love Jesus. These obviously did not love Jesus. Jesus pointed out they were trying to kill him. But he says, if you were the son of God, if you were a child of God, if God were truly your father, you would love me. Second thing he points out in verse 43 and verse 47. Let's read those. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. (laughs) <laughs> it says, if God is your father, you would appreciate and have an understanding of his word. You'd appreciate and have an understanding of his word. Look at verse 47. Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. He makes it very clear, doesn't he? I like what's worded in verse 43. Why do you not understand what I say? It's because you cannot dare to hear my word you can't stand to hear me isn't that the truth when i before i was walking in the lord i did not want to hear what the bible has to say that's that's our that's that sinful attitude that we have don't tell me what i'm doing is wrong i don't want to hear it and we blame christians for being mean, for being nasty, for, call, for being judgmental because they call things sinful. The reason is, is that we can't stand to hear the word of God when we're not one of his children. You need to recognize that. It's not changing our image or changing our approach and making things likable to people. They're not going to like it. Minds me of that two-year-old that you're trying to spoon-feed spinach. And it goes in the mouth and it just falls right out. He ain't swallowing that. He ain't having none of it. He don't like it. He won't take it. He can't stand it. Jesus says, you can't hear my word because you can't stand it. You don't like it. Practical side. If you at church always looking at your watch, right? Pastor preached too long. Choir song too long. They don't know how to praise. This is boring. I'm tired of being here. I'd rather be at the Dales. I'd rather be at, at Summerfest. I'd rather be at Great America. This, you know, if that's all your thought, you can't stand being in church. You're telling on yourself. Now, why should you look at that? Why should you examine that? It's because you need to know where you are spiritually. God does something to his people to where they love Jesus and they take in his word. Now, we're not perfect in any of those things, but the characteristic is one who loves God's word. You know, I love God's word, and and it's a ton of work for me, and sometimes I hate the work. But I go, God, you know I can't stay away from this. You you know, once it comes, it's it's a part of me. You can love God's people and yet have challenges in relationships. Church ain't no easy bed. It's, It's not fun, fun, fun all the time. But God's children love God's son and they listen and receive what he has to say Jesus makes it plain he says you don't hear what I'm saying because you can't stand what I'm saying you can't stand when I talk you hate to hear me talk there's something else he says in a positive way those who have God as their father are identified by something look at verse 45 But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? I tell the truth. Why do you not believe me? He says it twice. I tell the truth. I tell the truth. And he's making a point. Is that those who have God as their father are ones of truth. Jesus speaks truth. They speak truth. They enjoy truth. I remember hearing hearing Jeremy in in, in Sunday school this morning He was talking about hating when people lie. Hating when, especially in a pulpit, when when there's lies that are going from it. God is God of truth, and his people are, are people of truth, people of light. They hate darkness. love God, you have a perfect love, or you're, you're working towards that perfect love, which includes a perfect hatred. You love good, and you hate what is evil. Romans chapter, um, I think it's Romans 12, abhor what is evil, to have a disgust for what is evil. Have a love for the truth. These are all qualities of our Heavenly Father. One of the things that, that God models for us as a father, there's so many qualities of God, I couldn't begin to, to, to bring them out, but I want to bring out just a few. One is God is faithful. God is faithful. In other words, he is, he, well, let's just let Scripture speak for itself. Look at Deuteronomy 32, verse 4. Deuteronomy 32, verse 4. There's a a word picture here in the first two words of Deuteronomy 32.4. What are they? The rock. The rock. rock. It's a picture of faithfulness, right? One who is there, who is not easily moved, the rock. He says the rock, his word is perfect for all his ways are justice a God of faithfulness and without iniquity just and upright is he. One of the things of God that we appreciate is he is faithful. As fathers God wants us to model that. One one thing that's so important for us as fathers is to model God's faithfulness. Our children our wives, our family need to know. Now, we're not perfect. God is perfect in this, but we need to be modeling that. Faithful is what you need to be there, first of all. You need to be there, amen. You need to be there. I'll say it again. You need to be there, amen. As a man, you need to be one who can be counted on to be there. Whether the going is rough No matter how hard things are, you need to be the one who is the rock. Now, we are not like God. We'll never reach to to his level, but that's the model for us, is to be rocks in our families, rocks, the solid foundation, faithful men in our families. Can I give you a little application of that? if you're part of the choir and choir rehearsals on Saturday at nine o'clock what time do you need to be here? (laughs) no later than nine o'clock, right? no later than nine o'clock now what happens, let me ask you this what happens when you don't get here at nine o'clock? what do people say in their mind? oh it's so-and-so they ain't gonna get here till, you know. Or they say, whoa, nine o'clock? Mickey ain't here yet? Something wrong. In other words, that's the exception to the rule. Yeah, yeah. Or they always like that. Faithfulness then is measured in every part and every stage of our lives. As men, as fathers, we need to be faithful. We need to be on time to simple things. We need to be ones who people can count on. If you say you're going to be there, be there. That's what God is. Let's look at another thing about God In, in Numbers 23, 19. Numbers 23, 19. says there, God is not man that he should lie or son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not fulfill it? God is saying, God is faithful. God is a promise keeper. You can count on what he says. He does what he says he's going to do. Now, honestly, all of us are working to be like that because none of us are at that level. But the truth is we ought to be working to be like that. God is faithful in his blessing. God is faithful in his judgment. We preach the word because we're telling people, look, God is not going to look the other way at your sin. He is going to be faithful to judge sin. We preach the word of God, the gospel, we say, look, God is going to, he's not going to reject those who trust in Christ his son. He is faithful to receive all who put their faith in Jesus. He's not going to turn you away. God is faithful. When he promises, he keeps a promise. He makes a promise that all those who trust in Jesus will have eternal life. As as I lay and think in my bed and reflect and thoughts sometimes overwhelm me, I go simply to the promises of God. I'm comforted in the fact that God keeps every one of his promises. And so it behooves me to learn some of the promises, to memorize the promises of God, because I stand. Think about it. When you say you stand on the word of God, you're standing on the faithfulness of God. Now what about you? Are you being more and more like God? Dad, can you pick me up at 3 o'clock? Dad, what time are you gonna be there? 310 ain't eh? 3 o'clock. Oh, they understand I was bit. You're not faithful. You're not faithful. God wants us to be like him. Has he said it? Will he not fulfill it? Everything that he says, he fulfills. Now, I I admit that that, that's a high standard. And none of us can attain unto it. But the point is, is that we ought to be reaching towards that. God is faithful. One of the things that as we reach towards that level and we realize how much we miss that mark, it causes us to just flat out worship God and say, God, you're good. God, you are faithful. I can depend on you. I can rest in you. I can trust you. You are there every time. 2 Samuel 7. 28 David is looking forward to the promises of God and building a temple he know he can't do it so he gives it over to his son but he says this and now O Lord God you are God and your words are true and you have promised this good thing to your servant he's basically saying Lord I couldn't do it, but I'm resting on your promise. I'm resting on what you have said and what you have promised. Romans chapter 4, verse 21 gives us the very definition of faith. We are to have faith in God because God is faithful, because he is dependable. And it says this, Fully convinced, let's talk about Abraham and his faith, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That's the picture, that's the definition of faith, being fully convinced that what God has promised, he will pull off, he's going to do. So our, our faith is totally resting on God's faithfulness. In marriage counseling, so often men want to ask me, should my wife trust me? The question I want to ask: have you been trustworthy? Are you building? Now I'm not saying as you're perfect, I'm saying, are you building a platform whereby you can be trusted? God has and he does and therefore our faith is defined by just simply taking God at his word we need to build that character as fathers as husbands that I'm going to begin to build this platform of trust for you I want to build that for my children I want to build that for my grandchildren I want to build that for my wife I want to build that for anyone who interacts with me I want them to know that I am the type of person who pursues faithfulness so that you can count on me. Now, as I say that, I'm reminded of so many ways that I'll fall short of that. And you'll be reminded of the same. But the goal is essential because it's pointing to God. It's saying God is the very one that I literally trust my life, my eternity with. I trust my soul in his hands. Men, your families are trusting you to follow God. And they should trust you only as you follow God. And as you follow God faithfully, you are building a platform of trust. Trust that God will allow you to build that, ask him to help you to build that, and ask him that you want to build it so that you can be more and more like him. That you can be faithful, you can be dependable, you can be trustworthy. And then Titus 1, verse 2, last verse I'll look at today. Titus 1, verse 2. It says in hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages begin. All my comfort rests on the fact that God is faithful to keep his promise. He never lies. He is truthful. Going back to John chapter 8, Jesus was talking about the truth. If I tell you the truth, why you do why do you not believe me? Those who are the followers, those who are the children of God, are identified with truth because God is truth. He is the one who's made His promise. He's the one who never lies. He's the one that we can trust in. As we leave this day, as fathers, we should be saying, "Thank you, Father." that I have in you the perfect Father of whom I can trust and rely on. Now help me, Father, to be that type of Father to my children. I am sinful. I am finite. I am limited. But I serve a holy, infinite, eternal God who is the perfect pattern In our community today, especially in our black community, we complain so much about our fathers that we don't have an example. And that's sad. But what we do have is actually the perfect example of God our Father who shows and reveals himself to us in his word. He reveals, he pours himself out to us in our lives and we can learn to trust him and be that model that so many are looking for father we thank you for who you are we worship you we give you glory there's none like you there's no rock like our rock like you God we thank you for your faithfulness in all that you are we thank you lord that when we are unfaithful you are faithful we thank you lord that You are the one who makes promises and you can never lie. Trustworthy in all that you are. Lord, help us as fathers to be more and more like you. Help us to build the character that others can trust in us so that we bring glory to you. You called us to be like you In your word, you said, let your light so shine so that men may see your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven. So we want you to be glorified by the way that we live like you. We thank you for fathers here today. Lord, we are aware that we're not perfect and we're limited, but help us to to desire to be more and more like you. You are holy in all your ways. You are complete. You are perfect. And so we can rest and trust in you. We find comfort in who you are. And help us, Lord, to be more like you so the others others can, can find comfort, and can find a model, can find an example, can be helped by our character. And when they are helped... They not just pat us on the back, but they bring glory to you, that we point to you, giving you all the glory. Thank you in Jesus' name.